1: Or will she?
0: White Devil, a Campside Media original. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, CAMH. It's never an easy call with so many problems in the world to know where to direct the money that you donate when you want to help out in this world. But what I can tell you is that when you donate to CAMH, you're saving lives. We know about the opioid crisis. We know about the mental health crisis. They are doing the work. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where no one is left behind. Donate at CAMH.ca slash CanadaLand to help us treat addiction and build hope. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. Comes with a 20-year warranty and a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit Douglas.ca slash Canadaland to claim this offer. That is Douglas.ca slash Canadaland. Chris Selly of the National Post. Hello. Hello. That's me. Today we are going to talk about the Trudeau government minister who slipped, fell, and accidentally announced a plan to require every Canadian news organization to get a federal license. Whoops. (laughs) And we will talk about a stock photo model in Poland who looks really upset with greedy Ontario teachers. It's good to have you here. Great to be here. This episode of Shortcuts is brought to you by Michael Bell. Peter Laundry, Neil Van Fleet, Dana Milner, Chris Gusson, Emily Nicole, Jason Monk, and Alexander. My name is Alexander, and I support Canada Land because it's an accessible and
1: entertaining opportunity to examine the values we as Canadians claim to live by, in contrast to the reality of what our country often is. And I hope for the day that they're able to support local reporting across the country too.
0: So Chris, let's hear Heritage Minister Stephen Gilbo speaking this past Sunday to Evan Solomon on CTV's Question period about whether or not he had plans to require every news organization in Canada to license with the federal government. As far as the licensing is concerned, if
2: you're a distributor of content in Canada, and obviously, you know, if, if you're a, if, if you're a sm- very small media organization, the requirement probably wouldn't be the same as if you're Facebook or, or Google, um, uh, so there the, 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 would have to be some proportionality uh, uh, Im- embedded I- into this, but we,
0: we would ask that they have a license, yes. We would ask that they have a license Yes. Here's that same minister the next day on Monday, speaking to reporters.
2: Let me be clear. Our government has no intention to impose licensing requirements on news organizations, nor will we try to regulate news content.
0: That's about as clear as mud. Mm -hmm. We are absolutely requiring everybody to get a license. Let me be clear. We do not require news organizations to get a license.
1: Well, it depends what would means. We would require them to have a license.
0: I would can mean a lot of things. I
1: would, yeah. We would if we did this, we would. But if we don't, which as it turns out, we're not gonna, we won't. What the fuck is
0: going on here? Because a lot of people, a lot of people were very upset about this. A lot of people, um, Specifically, I guess, in the constellation of voices and news sites that I think constitute an anti-Trudeau right wing of Canadian commentary felt like this had been revealed, the government's plot to just control speech in Canada, Uh, the post millennial said Canada is no longer free if Canadians need a license to criticize the government. And they said, dear Justin Trudeau, you're never going to make us get a fucking government license to be able to criticize you. Regards, the post-millennial. Your former and I guess sometimes current colleague John Kay took to Twitter to say this is the plan to stifle conservative speech, to control it. And a lot of people say, well, this is, it's obviously they've shown their hand here. They have uh, sort of an Orwellian agenda here to require... Everyone, to come under their control, specifically for the purpose of 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 stamping out those who would criticize them. Do you buy that?
1: I don't buy that. Um, I think it's a reasonable concern. You know, maybe maybe being stated a little bit over the top, but I think it's a perfectly reasonable concern when you consider that the government is so this government is so keen on funding legacy news outlets it's not a long journey from there to them saying i mean they're already discriminating in a way they're already saying who we're going to give money to and who we're not going to give money to they're they're doing that on on some basis they're doing it with an arm's length you know organization with i can't even remember what it's called whatever newspapers canada transmogrified into
0: news media canada news
1: media canada with yeah. its local journalism fund and everything. So. I, I, if you read, I mean, I didn't read in the report that they were intending to make every sort of newspaper or, or broadcaster get a license, but they came up with this news aggregator description, <laughs> which which, you know, which was a definite uh, what, what like a term that did not need a definition, but they came up with one and it included everything from from like Facebook to Yahoo News. Well, I mean, I don't understand why why we want like the whole idea of even just giving Facebook a license makes no sense to me, or Google a license. I mean, what's the end game here, or what? But beyond that, um, you know, Yahoo News, or and the the example that Evan Solomon was using in that interview was Breitbart, um, and and he said, yeah, well, what's uh, the big what, deal? What's, what's what's what is the? I don't see what the big deal what's is. What's the big deal I, with asking Breitbart to get a license? Cool, yeah, and 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 so that's you know. Uh, uh, What's the difference functionally between Yahoo News or MSN News or Breitbart and the National Post or the Gold Mail? There's no red line difference there. They're still news organizations, and and it's just well, as offensive. I to don't me. know. I mean,
0: according to well, the not report, according to the
1: reported. It's no. I...
0: It's very clear. There are curators, aggregators, platforms for sharing, and they are all separate things. It and then, of course, according to the Heritage Minister, it's not just about which designation you have it's 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 about scale if, if you're if you're right if you're big enough you're captured under this regulatory framework and if you're too small we probably will let you not can i just like try to like what the fuck is going on actually because it's very easy to say well this is obviously they're trying to dress up in bureaucratic language a plan for complete information control but i i actually don't believe that that is the intention here and I feel I'm happy to be on the side of the people who are telling the government to fuck off with this. Mm-hmm. But I want to be clear with people about why I'm telling them to fuck off. And I want to know my enemy as to, like, what 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 is their motivation? What are they trying to accomplish with this thing?
1: Well, I, th- I think Stephen Guilbeau, uh, uh you know, he may have committed the offense of actually speaking his mind when he said I don't see what the big deal is. The fact is he is from Quebec and most Quebecers, I suspect if you pulled them, would also not see what the big deal is. Quebec, including Quebec journalists are just much more okay with the idea of government involvement in regulating the news media than yes. people are in the rest of English Canada or indeed the, the entire like English speaking world um, seems to be pretty united against this idea. But in French, I mean you know It was, what, 2011, I think, the Payette report came out and basically argued that there should be a professional journalist accreditation in Quebec, which would be uh, established in statute by by the government. And that's something that just makes most English language journalists just gets their backs up immediately, this idea of professionalizing the industry, especially under government control. But instantly, the Association of Quebec Professional Journalists and the Quebec Press Council said, yeah. Great idea. We'll sit down, we'll sit down with you and we'll bash something out. So, I mean, it's it's a totally different culture. And I think maybe Stephen Gilbeau just got, <laughs> over that night, got introduced to the other, uh, <laughs> the other side of the culture.
0: And I think that that's an aspect of it for sure, that, first of all, Quebec culture never met a government subsidy they didn't like. And uh, I'll hear from people about that. And there's a wider culture. Like in in France, newspapers get government funding. Nobody has a problem with that. In Italy, journalists do have to get like certified licenses from government. And that's very different than a, certainly an American or a Western, like the the idea of an independent press is uh, journalists will go to the mat for that, right? So I I think that that's an aspect of this. But to my question of like, what are they actually trying to accomplish here? The Canadian media industries, Inclusive of the big newspaper chains and broadcasters, are in real big trouble for a variety of reasons, and they have a huge bucket of complaints, and they are have been going to government consistently with these complaints. Some of those complaints are kind of old, anachronistic complaints, and I've heard them in, in these Chatham House rules closed door meetings with government, saying, "Why, why is it okay for the Drudge Report?" Or Facebook to have my content aggregated. That was the big boogeyman 10 years ago in news was these aggregators. Aggregators are going to come and they're going to steal. Meanwhile, that was not the threat. The threat was Facebook and Google. Right. But there's, there is a uh, persistent amongst, I think, technologically illiterate people at the top of publishing in Canada, an idea that we need to somehow, uh, you know, and you see it in these recommendations. They're saying, A... These aggregators, it's not the news sources that we're trying to get under a regulatory framework, it's these aggregators. And the aggregators need to be told, okay, now that you control what news stories get fed to people, you've got to pump CanCon to the top of the list. And then in order to force them to put Canadian news sites at the top of their list or in the mix, well, then you've got to determine what is a legitimate Canadian news site, and they call it a trusted news source. So now you've got the government or the CRTC or whatever the CRTC morphs into, according to these recommendations, is going to have to make determinations. They're already making these determinations with their media bailout as to who is a real, you know, worthy of of subsidy. And now here's another category where we have to determine which news sites are for real. And then they want to get data on what news sites Canadians are actually clicking on, because they want to know... If we're trying to make sure that we don't get uh, overwhelmed by American culture, which has been one of the philosophies of this whole scheme from the beginning, then we have to have data and traffic. So so it becomes like, you know, I think the conservatives are like, oh, this is a mind control thing. You want to know what everyone's reading? Like, no, no, we just want to know and make sure that Canadian content is getting its fair share of discoverability and clicks. There's unintended consequences. I don't think that there's a deliberate attempt, but as a byproduct of this shit, you've got to actually determine who's a trusted news source and who isn't. Then... You've got a bunch of grievances from the TV industry, you know, saying like, look, we're getting killed here. Everyone's cutting their cable and our competitors don't even have to pay into the CanCon system. And we do. How is that fair? Which kind of makes a certain amount of sense on the face of it until you think of like, well, like, what do you mean? Like, if you start cooking at home Rather than going to the restaurants, the restaurants don't get to tax your groceries. Exactly, you know, like you're you're just doing that a different way. But there, well, plus broadcasters are, are partaking of a finite, a finite bandwidth. What I always keep coming back to is is the whole reason for the CRTC, which we've forgotten, is that they are there to regulate an actual public good. Yeah, a limited, a limited, scarce amount of. Of public property, which is called our, our frequency, our bandwidth, and that's just d- destroyed now. But now that the public tide has turned against the big internet companies, because 10 years ago you talk about a Netflix tax and everyone freaked out, and any government that looked like they wanted to regulate these big companies looked like they were dinosaurs. Now that the public sentiment has turned against these companies, we are willing to regulate them, but we have to figure out who they are, because how do you determine just any old website from a Facebook? And that's when they started saying, okay, you've got your curators like Netflix, Spotify, and Amazon, and then you've got your aggregators like... Yahoo News. Well, hold on a second. Spotify is a curator, I guess, but they also make news. They bought Gimlet. They bought. They just bought The Ringer. They're a news production company as well. They make podcasts that are news and current affairs podcasts, right? Like they also are how a lot of people listen to podcasts, like Canada Land. So they're not really curating. Like anybody can go. I mean, I guess they could kick you off if they. I mean, want I to. certainly
1: don't think of Spotify as I use it as a curation service. I mean, it's it, it gives me access to like. everything Everything. in the world I want to listen to Yeah, that's not curation that's the opposite of curation that's that's here's everything
0: if they actually did curate it and say this not that you'd actually it would be less value so like okay but to the government they're curators then you've got your aggregators like Yahoo News but Yahoo News they hire reporters sure and then you've got your platforms for sharing which they say are like YouTube, Facebook and other platforms well uh, first of all Those platforms for sharing are curators. Like, YouTube has algorithms, which serve some videos and not others, which make curatorial decisions, as does Facebook. And they also, like, Facebook hires journalists these days and they're getting increased. Like, the the idea that you could create these categories of websites and then the heritage minister says, well, fuck all of that anyhow, because um, we basically just want to be able to pick and choose who we're going to regulate and who we're going to license. So don't worry, little Canadian news companies. We have discretion to say you're too small... To be captured, but to make the decision to let you off the hook of licensing is still itself a form of <laughs> regulation. Yeah, yeah obviously. Of
1: No, I mean, I think you're right. I, I think really, this is this all comes down. This this is is just the sort of mutated, hideous result of a business play, which is we're getting killed. As you say, what's a way that we can get more money? Well, Facebook and Google took all our advertising. I mean, I'm talking about the the, the news universe now. Yeah. Well, let's just take money from them, and we'll give it. To us, I mean, this new arm's length news organization that any news organization could uh, join if it met standards of ethical journalism. Well, who says that? Or and and editorial independence. Well, who decides editorial independence? As soon as you start doing this, you have to make those decisions, which are totally anathema to, you know, they make perfect sense in the boardroom. Yeah. But once you get down to the newsroom, everyone's going, no, 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 no. This doesn't work at all. But then on the other, you know, then the horrible thing, right, about the bailout, especially like now, I mean, Post Media has like 20 job listings up that are funded by the the local media fund. And it's like, well, fuck, like, I don't want to argue against that. Like sure. two new reporters in North Bay. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's the mind fuck of it is that once you see that, it's so hard to argue against. And yet you look at that report and it just shows you all these horrible compromises in principle that... that, that
0: You fundamentally change you the whole make. thing. Yeah. And, like like you say, once one journalist is given a job out of that, then cutting that program means destroying journalists' jobs. And it
1: says it on the job listing. Yeah. It's like, don't don't forget, you know, don't forget who's paying for this. But, and, you know, I'm not suggesting they're going to be actually compromised or anything.
0: This is a big deal, what we're getting into, and, and, I, and I think that we're, we're we are stumbling into it. I do not think that this is uh, there's malicious intent, and I would never attribute to malice what could be better explained by stupidity. And this heritage minister sounds really stupid, and he's not the only one. Like, Michelle Rempel, she, so she's coming out against this, and she has this paper of, like, uh, we stand against these recommendations, and her paper is just as baffling to read. Here's what she writes. Our policy priorities for the CRTC are as follows. Explore implementing a legal framework to enshrine data dignity in Canada. What the <laughs> hell does that have to do? Uh, the democratization of well, whatever choice. Whatever that is, it's Listen not th- good. I, can you explain this to me? Number four, the democratization of choice and access to Canadian content funding. We know there are alternatives to the government telling Canadians what they should watch. We can explore fixing this by using crowdfunding-type platforms based on cutting-edge technologies like quadratic funding created <laughs> by can- Canadian innovators like GitHub and Gitcoin. Why is Michelle Trying to sell me a Bitcoin solution. Why is the government just? Just you're a conservative. The the answer
1: is leave it the fuck alone. This... Let it happen. <laughs> Let success happen. This whole thing, like if I'm Netflix, I'm sitting there like, how many hundreds of millions of dollars do you want us to invest in Canadian content? We're not doing it because you're forcing us. We're doing it because we want to. Because can you people want to watch this shit? Can you people not accept success? Like, what is the problem? It's a golden age of Canadian production, and yeah. you read this report and it's just, ugh. It's a fucking disaster.
0: We're not being honest about what the real problem is, which is that there is, I think, like, industrially a pretty insignificant small sector of the the players who are getting shut out of the New Deal, who are the best at kind of gaming the CanCon scheme of things. They are getting left out in the cold. They have access to government. And government is listening to them, is kind of shockingly technologically illiterate and, and, and thoughtless and reckless about the consequences and it's not until they actually like float these policies in public that people who know better are like, do you understand what's going to have to happen? Like, I think most people out there would be OK with or a lot of people out there anyhow are OK with more money for Canadian cultural endeavors. And I think a lot of people are OK with that. It's only when you start to explain, like, do you understand that we're going to have to like license and regulate and classify everything in order to achieve these ends? If you want, okay, you want to fake, fight fake news. Well, do you understand that you've just put the government in the business of determining what's fake and real? And I don't know that we're having that public conversation. Like, it, it, like the way that this is getting sorted out is on this ad hoc, like, you know, crazy policy meets public hysteria, and then the Ezra Levants and the Post-Millennials out there make hay out of, out of, I think, twisting it. Everybody freaks out. The government retreats and then kind of squeezes some other version of it forward. There's clearly a lot of people out there
1: who really earnestly think that there's something wrong with journalism and that it needs something. You know, people say, well, well, we, it, it needs to be regulated or, or like self-regulated. What about self-regulation? You think, well, there's press councils. I mean, I, I personally have, are, am not a fan of our press councils, but, you know, they're there. That's what they do. There's a lot of people out there who, who just seem to believe, and they're all over the political spectrum, that... There's just some kind of unprecedented crisis in Canadian news that it's just full of lies for the first time in history.
0: We simultaneously have this uh, a panic that journalists are more reckless and irresponsible and destructive than ever, and an idea that we I think it's accepted that we don't have enough of them. But then you you follow
1: these, this logic like well we we need this body. To decide who's a proper journalist and who isn't, and to decide what's a proper journalism outlet and what isn't. Well, everyone who's arguing that already knows in their own mind who's a proper journalist and who isn't. It's not going to change. I mean, if if some new self-regulating outfit came to mind and started handing out journalism licenses and gave one to Ezra Levant, people aren't going to go, oh, maybe I was wrong about Ezra. Maybe he is a real journalist. And conversely, you know, he would never apply it, it like yeah. the, the, it comes yeah. down to the end game. This, this whole thing, You're, you need to get a license. Well, what if I'm Yahoo News and I just say fuck off? No,
0: right. Well, then what? To all these big, you know, are Canadians going to accept that, that? Like, if if these you know major players, if Netflix and Spotify say we're not playing along with this, it's not going to. They're going to block it. No, I people don't know. are. Canadians aren't going to stand for that. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, CAMH. heroic work that they're doing every day. They treat everyone with dignity and their research is seeking and finding real solutions for everyone around the world. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where no one is left behind. Donate at camh.ca canadaland Canada land to help CAMH treat addiction and build hope. It is a mattress that sleeps cool. doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer. And it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash to claim this offer. Chris Shelley, I know that you and everybody else at the National Post newsroom, all three of you, um, uh, listen to hey, hey, shortcuts. Hey, hey. I'm sorry, it's low blow. Um, we're learning to code here, too. I know you all listen to shortcuts every week, and I know that you are familiar with our feature, Duly Noted. What is it that you would like to note, Dooley, that will, requires due notation? I'd like to duly note how terrible Peter McKay's leadership campaign is.
1: I hadn't noticed, and how like weirdly terrible. Hmm. I mean, it started out with these tweets. He had his tweet with like a it was like a strobe light type <laughs> effect with a bunch of words on it, and you're thinking like, like this this could be some kid. That he's hired, like up in Pictou County, who who's doing this? Who's just an idiot? Or but then you think, well, maybe he's paying like one hundred and fifty thousand dollars for this, and someone thinks it's genius, and it's just slogans. No, not even slogans. Slogans say things, it's just like Canada is Canadian, and <laughs> we're, Canadians we're... <laughs> are more Canada than Canada.
0: We're not going to be able to relate this like through audio. I mean, like it really is. It's be- It's one hundred ah. percent
1: content free. Idea free. And then he sits down for an interview. And the topic of a tweet that that made fun of. Yeah, he had this tweet. This is what counts as an idea in his platform so far. His campaign so far is that he plays hockey and Justin Trudeau does yoga. It turns out that he didn't like that tweet. Right. And he said he wanted to do politics differently at which point his his press flunky sort of says well that's that's it we're not talking about this anymore you went way over the line with that question and that was the end of the interview and peter mckay defended the journalist said oh she's just doing her job but then the interview was still over like he's not in charge of (laughs) like who's working for who here and peter (sighs)
0: mckay just let that happen wasn't he like okay like did he have a, a tweet it was like Taxpayers, Trudeau's was wasting your money on on uh, going to the gym and doing yoga, and then people are like, didn't you spend like a hundred thousand dollars on like a helicopter? Uh, a helicopter photo. Op? I mean,
1: it's you know, it's not a it's not a contest, but like you did it to yourself. Yeah, and and I just don't understand. I mean, this guy is supposedly he's been a senior cabinet minister, and and then you start remembering that he wasn't a very good. Cabinet minister at anything. I just
0: remember the dogs and poor Peter and and, and, and Belinda and and, and breaking and, his poor heart. But, and then you think
1: like the whole thing reeks of it's like all right, well the Conservative Party of Canada is finally ready for me. This is a coronation, <laughs> and here I am. And so I'll bring some people on, and they will guide me effortlessly through this this <sighs> thing, and I won't have to think about anything or read any tweets.
0: Uh, it's just bizarre. All you're really noting to me is that you're you're not a real Canadian because Canada is Canada because Canadians are Canada. Well, yeah, Chris. and I disagree. <laughs> duly noted. I would like to uh, duly note what occurred in Parliament this week. Um, this is a, a comment that uh, Conservative MP Arnold Veerson, oh, a line of questioning he had for um, NDP MP Laurel Collins uh, I'll paraphrase. Oh, so you think sex work is so great, huh? Then how come you're not a hooker? Or maybe you are. Why don't you tell everybody? That's not exactly what he said, but it's, I think, pretty much exactly what he- Well,
1: almost what he did actually say is almost worse. Was, was, was I believe one of the direct quotes was, have you ever considered
0: sex work? <laughs> I, I, I just want to duly note that whatever shame Arnold Veerson, uh who has since apologized, for that line of question. Whatever shame he he misguidedly feels should be associated with sex work, it is nowhere near the shame that he should feel for the rest of his life for releasing this video.
2: Yo, conservative guys, conservative gals, you wanna leave this party, you gotta try to be like our pals. You gotta talk to the mic, you gotta tell us what you're like.
1: Never forget. Shame is is a detriment in politics um, often, but then you see that and you think, well, th- there needs to be at least some duly noted.
0: I want to talk with you, Chris, about this advertisement. It did not just appear in post-media newspapers. It appeared in the Toronto Star. It appeared in the Globe and Mail. Oh,
1: those minor outlets, yes.
0: Yeah, all the major papers carry these full-page ads from the Vaughn Working Families Organization. These were really you know powerful messages that uh, pawns, pawns are for chess. Mm. The teachers union should stop using our children as pawns for personal gain. And another one of these ads had a woman, I guess a mom, holding up a report card. It was the provincial report card uh, about how these greedy teachers... Are, are, are holding us all hostage. And she gives the teachers an F. Teachers union leaders are risking student success. Children are not pawns. Read uh, the ad from Vaughn Working Families. Press Progress, which is a uh, outlet that is associated with the Broadbent Institute, which is associated with the NDP. They break stories and they do good work. They looked into this and found that there really is no group called Vaughn Working Families. It, it does not... Uh, seem to exist and it sounds a lot like a group that does exist there is a working families group that exists and that is actually aligned with uh, the teachers union against uh, doug ford and so supporting the labor actions that they're taking and they further looked into these ads themselves and found that the mom who's holding up this this report card she's actually a, a polish stock photography model and uh Lo- Not a real Vaughn parent. Not a real Vaughn. I mean... The internet was shocked by this. <laughs> I guess even if there was a Vaughn Working Families group, they might have used stock photography in their ads and we wouldn't have looked twice. But uh, the whole thing was cobbled together. Like, the, the, the logo for Vaughn Working Families was itself a piece of stock art. Like, it, this this was deceitful. This was a lie. There, there is no there is no families group or advocacy group that, that anyone can find any trace of that is on side with Doug Ford and, and uh, putting public pressure on the teachers union to to lay down. Who is behind this? Well, the provincial education minister, Stephen Lecce, says that he has no direct knowledge of this advertising campaign, which it's estimated costs something like $150,000. He has no. He, he was very careful in his wording to Metro Morning CBC yesterday. He, he, he said the other day, he said uh, he has no direct knowledge of this. And it has been pointed out that this actually might be illegal. These ads, and that's because we're in the middle of a by-election period. Is that the argument? Hey, uh, you know, I'm not a lawyer, but uh, my understanding is that, that when it comes to political messaging during election periods, there are strict regulations from Elections Ontario.
1: The chief electoral officer has taken into account whether this advertisement or this spending might have occurred, anyways. I mean, this has nothing to do with those by-elections, right? Uh, to to me, if it is illegal, to me, it's a stupid law. We we I thought we like we went through this whole thing federally when remember when they said telling climate change groups that they might not be able to right. spend money on adv- advocacy during the uh, election period. Everyone said that's stupid. Well, yeah, and it was stupid, but the world doesn't stop just because there's a, a stupid by election on in in Ottawa.
0: Right. I, listen, I appreciate that you feel like the uh, you know, maybe the law is an ass. Maybe they're illegal, and maybe they aren't. And if they are illegal, you don't like the law. I get that. Uh, That's fine if you feel that that's a red herring, but can we agree that newspapers, as a general rule, it's not a good thing when they're used as instruments to deceive the public into thinking that some coalition of working families thinks something that they do not, and in fact that organizations exist that do not, and provide guys for shadowy parties unknown who have an interest in manipulating public opinion— uh, without telling us who they are. That's probably not something. I mean, newspapers are supposed to vet their advertisements for just this sort of thing, right? I, I, again, all the papers took these ads. Yeah,
1: yeah I mean, I, I think I agree that, that it would be in an ideal world, you would say, Vaughn, you know, can you provide us some evidence that this organization actually exists, and it isn't something that you just made up for the purposes of submitting this ad to us? Mm-hmm. I agree with that. I think the deception is pretty minor when you come right down to it. I mean, who is going to be fooled? Like, the first thing I thought when I started reading this story was someone wasted $150,000. Well, I was just going to say. And as long as it wasn't public money, and if it was, and obviously that would be an ab- a unmitigated scandal. But if it was just some you know, conservative-friendly Person with one hundred fifty thousand dollars burning a hole in his pocket. I don't care particularly one way or the other.
0: Yeah, it, it's it's not great.
1: I, I mean, I completely agree with you, but I don't think it's a huge deal at the end of the day.
0: You, you know, you know who does think that this is going to influence people? Whoever spent one hundred fifty thousand dollars. on Yeah. It. Um, and you know who knows who paid that money? The newspapers.
1: Well, that is true. And I did. Uh, I I did get a chuckle. I'm not. I'm not sure if Post Media is actually if any. Of, I haven't read our coverage of it, if there is any. But- I don't know if it's
0: National Post, the Sudbury Star. Who who, who read that's Post Media. Yeah. So
1: so I I but I remember reading the the Star story first when I, when it says saying a shadowy group of people, you know, there's no evidence to to know who it
0: was, and I was thinking, well, you could call the ad department. I mean, <laughs> yeah. You could just go upstairs. Well, I'm I'm very curious if any of these ad departments, and, and I'm actually curious what the relationship is when the newspapers are reporting on the actions of their own ad departments. Uh, to clarify what I said earlier, uh, it seems that the National Post did run this ad, the Sudbury Star. What they ran was a news story a year ago, uh, Students' Pawns of Teacher Unions, Ford Says North Bay, and uh, Press Progress, uh, you know, they they reprinted that headline as a way of um, illustrating that these ads, the, the messaging and, and the, uh, the language calling students pawns is consistent with what Ford has been saying. And the Toronto Sun also ran a piece of editorial content, a news story that was supposedly uh, presenting an angry father who's angry with the teachers who, who actually turned out to have links to the Ford government. So, you know, when you start to see the same kind of messaging winding and weaving throughout editorial into advertising, connections, like, it's like... Uh, I mean, it's a pretty common metaphor, pawns. I, so. yeah. I guess so. I guess I, so. I I don't think it's great when people are, are trying to fool your readers. You know, that's not great.
1: No, uh, I, I completely agree that it's not great. Uh, but we're well beyond. <laughs> it strikes me. It strikes me that at this point, in the struggles of the Canadian newspaper industry, this barely rates a mention.
0: I will not pretend that great is is even the metric by which we are like. Better is always em- possible. <laughs> what did Godfrey say? Not yet unacceptable. Not.
1: not- Unacceptable. Yeah, I mean, one hundred fifty thousand dollars is one hundred fifty thousand dollars.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, the uh, Toronto and York Region Labour Council is offering a twenty dollars Tim Hortons gift card to anybody who can determine exactly who the conservative millionaires are who are paying for those ads. I guess that that, that
1: just how much uh, how much those ad guys like their Tim Hortons. I guess it comes down to then. <laughs>
0: Chris, that's our show. Everybody, you can email me uh, about today's episode at jesse at Show.com. I read everything that you send. We are on Twitter at CanadaLand. Chris Sully, where can people find you?
1: You can find me at uh, nationalpost.com. You should. Slash something. I don't know what. Google me. I'm the only Chris Sully of note in the world. Sorry to the other Chris Sellys.
0: He's also on Twitter, folks. Uh, our website is canadalandshow.com. And the season finale of commons their current season on dynasties is out and it is on a rather tragic story the heart wrestling dynasty check it out this episode is produced by kevin sexton and tiffany lamb our managing editor is kevin sexton syndication is by cfuv 101.9 fm in victoria visit them online at cfuv.ca if you like what we do, if you like our podcasts, if you listen to our podcasts, if you appreciate our news coverage, you can get ad-free versions of our shows when you support us at patreon.com slash CanadaLand. Please do. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada Land, and this is about you. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com join. And thank you.
1: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen.